Welcome to the Mastering Mindfulness Institute, the place to end self-sabotage and get off the diet roller coaster to finally achieve a life of balance. I'm your host, Gina B. Let's dive in. Hey guys, welcome back. I am so excited to have neuro-linguistic programming genius Paul Ross on with us today. Paul helps people transform their habits, get control over their brain, and discover their inner power by using persuasion and language. Um, He's amazing. He's been featured on the BBC, Fox, CNN, NBC, The Huffington Post, Rolling Stones. He's been a speaker for over 25 years and published the book, Subtle Words That Sell. I am so excited. Welcome, Paul. It's such a pleasure to be with such a radiant and genius spirit as you, Gina B. So it's, we're going to put on a great show. And I just want to invite people as they're listening to this, I don't know at which points they might find yourself being able to stop and recognize that great learning is taking place. But as that's happening, the more you tune in to my voice and what it is I'm conveying, the more you might think to yourself, damn, Paul and Gina are just geniuses. Let's have more of them. <laughs> you're doing some kind of programming on the mind right now <laughs> could be it's what i'm that's what i do the mind is a beautiful beautiful set of processes and flows and i think we cannot not program we're always programming in one way or the other with our, with our internal dialogue and our beliefs so either we do it with deliberateness or we just let it run wild can i give you a, a metaphor if i if i could right out of the yeah. shoot yeah, sure. Lay it well, on. I always say, if, if you're going to have an autopilot, you may as well build one that works for you. Mm. Otherwise, you're going to just crash it into the ground. And you, you don't want that. If you were getting on a plane to fly to London and you leaned your head into the cockpit and you said to the pilot, how are we going to make sure we get to London? He says, I don't know. Maybe we'll get lucky. You get the hell off that plane. So we don't want to leave our programming to chance or to luck or to force of habit. We want to take control of it and shape it to our, to our ends. Yeah. So this is like your, your thing. You help people reprogram their autopilot Would that. Would you call the autopilot be like the subconscious mind? Well, whether you call it the subconscious or the unconscious I consider it to be a set of routines and subroutines that are running in the background of your mind and you don't even know they're there. And so they build up a tremendous amount of what I call cognitive momentum and emotional inertia. Just to give you an illustration, my previous career, (laughs) I think I told you about my previous career as a dating coach. Oh yeah, you did. I was so intrigued by uh, how you, how you help people with just the the mindset, but as a dating coach. Yeah. And so so what I learned from these guys, what was keeping them stuck is they're constantly repeating these limiting negative beliefs. And they were looking at their possibility through the pain of their past. See, one of my jobs as a neurolinguistic programmer and a hypnotist and the rest of that is to make what I call a generative transformational change. And let me unpack that for you if I can. Mm -hmm. If you came to me and said, hey, Paul, I have a fear of snakes. Can you cure my snake phobia? I'd say, sure. We could do that little phobia cure, NLP phobia cure. That's one thing. But a transformational change is when you're no longer looking at your pattern. You're no longer looking through your patterns. You're no longer looking through your beliefs. You're looking at them. Hmm. You 
cultivate a state of consciousness where you can actually look at your patterns before they arise with enough force to distort your perception and drive your behavior. And I know you dealing with food, mm-hmm. food is such a deeply emotional thing. I would not hesitate to say that 90% of what you teach people is dealing with the mindset. I know you talked about mindfulness because yeah. there's so much drivenness and fixation around food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love the whole nutrition and you know, giving people the right you know foods to eat, to eat this, don't eat this. But really, at the end of the day, what's driving it is our, our mindset and our emotional attachment to food too. Right, right. Wow. So what are these key pieces to how can people start getting out of their own way? What are those key pieces? Sure. So I should say one of the distinctions between, between me and some other teachers, and I don't knock anyone's teaching. If, if you want to do, I believe in writing down your goals. I believe in having coaches. I believe in positive affirmations, visualization. But I like to think instead of getting the F out of your own way. What is standing in your way? You know, there is a, have you ever been to Italy? I have not. It's on my list. I'm shocked. I'm shocked. Well, it's on my list. There's a famous Italian painter and sculptor by the name of Michelangelo. Uh He painted the Sistine Chapel. But the other thing he did, he did the Statue of David. And one of his most famous creations was a statue of an angel. And people came to him and said, Maestro, how did you create this angel? And he said something. He said, the angel was already sleeping in the rock. I just chipped away what didn't belong around it. So I believe we all have that potential to be fully aligned, to align our conscious and unconscious mind with our body, our habits. I like to think not of a positive mind, but an aligned mind. Hmm, okay. What are these, these patterns, these things we need to chip away? And I discovered this by looking at the most screwed up, uh, I don't know how vulgar I can get, the most screwed up, stuck people you can imagine who are in emotional quicksand. Have you ever seen, uh, when you were a kid, did they have these Chinese thumb finger traps? Yes, yes, where when you pull, it gets you more stuck. Yeah, yeah people are like in these Chinese finger traps in the mind. So. Uh, I'll start by asking you this question. So in the field, in in the areas of losing weight, finding love, and getting rich, how many millions of copies of books, not titles, but actual millions of copies of books, and we can include audio courses, have been sold in the last five years? Ballpark it for me. Oh, my gosh. How many copies? millions upon millions I would imagine yeah I mean those are kind of the th- right. like the Let's core things that matter to people how about 30 million would you say that sounds easily easily I'm sure so so Gina as one brilliant human being to another I pose this question I pose this question to your audience why don't we see 30 million skinny rich millionaires madly in love with their ideal partner Something is wrong in between the information slash inspiration and the implementation. There's a giant gap. Something is missing. My claim, my idea that I'm putting forth is in the entire industry of self-actualization, self-improvement, there's something missing in the formula. Now, 
Here's a follow-up question, a hint about what I think it is. If these books were about grooming your poodle, um, winning at checkers, and knitting scarves, do you think you'd see such a big gap? Such a big gap? Oh, uh, no. No, of course not. Because they don't have the kind of emotional buttons around them that money. Do you know anyone who's ever had a button on money? Mm, right. Right. Relationships. Have you ever been in a relationship where your partner pushed your buttons? No, sure have. <laughs> and of course. We should call them course, up and, and get them on here right now. I'm sure they would go on <laughs> about my buttons that were pushed. And you've never... And of course, and of course, you've never pushed the partner's button. Not oh, you. no, no, I was not the button no. pusher. We all know that. No, uh-huh. The women are never the button pushers, not. right? And finally, and, fi and finally, there's losing weight, which is not just about health. It's also about personal appearance, which when it gets, comes down to it, is about a three-letter word that rhymes with she-go. What's the word? Ego. Exactly. Point to the person has the problem with their ego. <laughs> you have oh, to point yeah. me. Yeah, you yep. pointing at me. So it's not that they're actual buttons. They're pieces of subroutine. They're pieces of programming. And because they have tremendous repetition, because we're repeating them, here's a principle I'll give you, a universal principle of the mind that I made up. <laughs> the mind works on repetition, familiarity, and momentum. So what we repeat over and over and over the brain or the mind, I use them interchangeably, accepts as being true. The brain tends to move towards what's familiar. Mm -hmm. We're attracted to novelty, but given a choice between novelty and what's familiar, there's a tremendous internal conflict. We want to move towards what's novel, but we also want to stay with what we already know. Mm -hmm. We know this to be true. <clears throat> I think that kind of internal friction between the drive towards novelty and no, no, I want to stay the same, that's not even getting out of your comfort zone. This is what I would call, and I use a lot of big words because my mom taught me to be smart. Um, this is what I would call neurological friction. I'll give you a metaphor. I'm Jewish, as you probably guessed, and we celebrated Hanukkah when I was a kid. Now, I had this habit of breaking my little brother Stevie's toys. That's just what I did. And to this day, he's still scarred by it. <laughs> So way back when I was eight years old, this was 19, <laughs> my sister Anita bought my little brother Stevie a toy robot. Back then, toy robots could do three things. You could make them go forward, you could make them go backwards, and you could make the lights that were their eyes blink. So being a schmuck, which is a scientific word for a little son of a gun, I pressed forward and backwards at the same time because I wanted to see what would happen. And the robot started to shake, one leg went forward, one leg went backwards. Blue smoke came out of its ass as the wiring melted and it fell down. And I think oftentimes that's what's happening. We're giving ourselves a command to move forward and a command to stay back. And that neurological friction feels very uncomfortable. If we're not aware that that's what it is, it feels just like a fight, flight, or freeze signal. They feel exactly like the same thing, and then we interpret it as actual danger. Wow. Why people will interpret an emotional conflict as actual physical danger. They will have the same amount of cortisol dumping. Now, you're a nutritionist. I will pause for you. You're a registered dietitian. You understand this. When cortisol is dumped into the body, what happens to insulin and hunger? 
Oh, it shifts everything. You become, you shift to this animalistic mode where all of a sudden it's really interesting. Not only do our cravings go up, but it changes the, the shape of our taste bud receptors so that what? foods, it intensifies cravings. Your taste bud receptors actually change their shape. So sweet foods become more addicting and taste sweeter. And we're, we, we create this animalistic like change in physiology where all of a sudden we're craving food. So yeah, wow. I mean, cortisol is really rough for trying to lose weight because it really shifts you into this fight or flight animalistic mode where it intensifies cravings. It's a, that natural instinct. Yeah. So what I'm saying is here, let me see if I can really make this point. So your viewers get this. When you have that neurological friction between wanting to move towards the novel and staying with the familiar, that push-pull kind of thing, right. it's neurological friction and it feels to the body and the brain just like an actual danger signal. Hmm. So it causes a cortisol dump. So this internal conflict leads to the cortisol dump, which leads to all the problems you see, which leads to bad eating, which leads to health problems, which leads your body is going to affect your mind. You cannot have a healthy mind, a healthy mood, uh, unless you take care of your body and what you put into it. And just to be self-revelatory here and intimate, I suffer from a mood disorder. I just do, and I have to take extra special care of what I eat. If I put sugar into my body, I am effed. So this is the first point I wanna make about neurological friction. So anyway, the mind works on repetition, familiarity, and momentum. I like to speak in metaphors, so I'll give you another metaphor. We live in San Diego, we have a lot of trains. If we have the coaster and you've seen the surf yeah. liner. Okay, so if you take one of those 10,000 ton trains and it's moving one mile an hour, it doesn't take a lot to shift it to another track, it doesn't have any momentum. But if it's going 100 miles an hour and you pull that switch, it's gonna derail. Mm -hmm. And if you ever felt like you've derailed your own success and derailed yourself moving towards a goal, it's because you're pulling the switch on a pattern that has tremendous momentum. So would you say that this neurological friction is like when people want to start their new diet and they feel like they're just hanging onto a roller coaster because they're like trying this new thing, but they're being pulled back to their old habits and they're exactly. in this tug of war. It's like a exactly. battle. Yes. And then if you add on top of it, uh, shaming yourself. Mm. Shame is glue. Shame guarantee will glue the problem right back to you because it causes you to focus on the problem. If there's two, I like to talk about purifying consciousness. If, there's, if you can purify consciousness, you can simultaneously purify your body. The biggest poisons for your body are, you tell me, but tell me if I'm right, are refined sugars, yeah. correct? Correct. Trans fats, correct? Yep. Um, things like diet sodas that contain, isn't it true like diet sodas turn to formaldehyde or what is, I don't know what they do in your body. Well, it's very, very acidic. You'll see a lot of phosphoric acid in there, not good for the bones, caramel coloring. I mean, there's just so many things. We know that it affects our gut microbiome, which affects everything else in the body. I could, I could do a whole nother episode on diet soda. So, so my point being that for me, the poisons of, of the spirit that I had to purge, I'm just going to be, uh, tell a little bit about myself so you know. Yeah. Um, 
the poisons of the spirit that I personally used my meditation and prayer practice for were to purge myself of envy, resentment, despair, entitlement, and shaming myself. Wow. Through meditative practice, I had to purge myself of these things. And like one of the things I believe that purifies consciousness, purifying consciousness and purifying uh, body go together. If you don't do one, you really can't effectively do the other. This is why I so admire the genius of your work. If you'll accept the compliment. I will. Thank you. Well, good. Because you're teaching consciousness. You're teaching whether I think you know it or not, I don't mean any disrespect. You're teaching the purification of consciousness while you teach the purification of the body. And I think really as uh, one of the ways I see you is a purifier. Mm. I don't know if you've ever thought of yourself that way, but you are purifying, assisting people in purifying both through your love because you have a loving heart, but you also have a very brilliant mind. So through these things together, you're, saying to people whether you know it or not i am assisting you in purifying your consciousness and purifying your body and the relationship between the two you can't divide them they're not divisible wow so there's so many things that i'm like whoa whoa i hope everyone is really taking this all in because you're dropping huge knowledge bombs and then moving on Call me a B-52 because I'm dropping them bombs. You are. I feel like you, anyone to keep up is going to have to really probably I'll listen to this over again a couple of times. But I love I'll that you down. said shaming is the glue because I think that that's number one that I try to remind people to, to let go of is how that shame holds us into the same place. So, and I, I think one of, one of what my teacher said is you don't get rid of a pattern by hating it. You have to love it to death. You have to oh. love it to death. When I have a shaming thought or an envious thought, my way of dealing with it is to say, thank you, beautiful and beloved thought. Thank you for having, having been there as my teacher and my guide. I release you now with love. Wow. Anytime those thoughts come up, I always say, thank you for having been there as my teacher and my guide. I release you now with love. Each and every time you do that, over time, it just love melts shame. You guys, before you shed pounds, shed your shame. If you want to shed your pounds, shed your shame. I love it. Love. I'm coming up with this on the spot. You're inspiring me. I'm this not. This is great. I'm seriously, you are calling something forth for me. So thank you for that. Shed your shame. And the way you shed your shame is by loving it to death. When those thoughts come up, thank you, beautiful, beloved thought. Thank you for having been there as my teacher and my guide. I release you now with love. Because I don't think shame is intended to hurt us. It's a pattern that's attempting to do a positive thing. It's just not serving the purpose it's meant to serve. So when we thank it as a teacher and a guide, we immediately reframe it and we give it permission to go. We release it into, into love. The idea, and I'm a very precise person, and I used to be only from up here, but the more I opened my heart to heal myself, because I've had, I've gone through tremendous amounts of uh, emotional deprivation and abuse, physical abuse, some sexual abuse, and I carried so much resentment that my brilliant intellect was not enough. I really had to learn to let go of that out of necessity. So one of the things I want to say to those of you who are listening to this, 
if you want to really shed your pounds, shed your shame. And Gina, through her mindfulness teachings, will assist you in doing so. And I really admire that about you, that you're, you're, I don't know if you've ever thought of yourself as a purifier before. I like that. I've never thought of it in that way. I love that. That's Yeah. Purify your consciousness, purify your body, you know. So is all of that, that personal challenge, you know, that you went through, is that kind of what led you to learning how to master how the mind works and change? And I know you've been doing this for like, 20 years as a, as a speaker. And so is that how you got to this? Well, you want to hear the, re- I'll tell you the real story. The real story, yeah. I think I may have told you this is I could not get a date in a woman's prison with a fistful of pardons. I mean, I was like <laughs> so shy and so ugly. I'm six to 196 pounds. I dropped 25 pounds. Wow. And so, um, I think I've dropped a few since I've seen you. Uh, and so I had a tremendous amount of body shame. I was 6'2", I weighed 130 pounds. I felt like a skeleton. I would literally look at my arms and say, you're not even a man. I would con- obsessively, neurotically compare the size of my arms to the size of anyone around me, including women. I was so ashamed of myself. I didn't want to take a shower. Or I would try to cover the mirrors in the bathroom. Carried tremendous body shame, tremendous confusion around how to act towards women because I didn't have any good role models. And God bless my father. He was my hero, he, a war hero. I have his medals on, on my wall back here. He was a decorated combat veteran, but he was clueless. And so I couldn't get a date and I was terrified and I didn't know how to communicate. And I know you say, what are you talking about, Paul? You're incredibly charming. But yeah, I, I was just about to say that. <laughs> I, I know you were. I could not communicate in a way that was interesting. When I stumbled onto NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, I swear to you, this is a true story. I'm a big self-improvement junkie. I was walking in a bookstore. And by the way, they used to have these things called bookstores, ladies and gentlemen, young people. People don't know what those are anymore. Yeah. And I was in the self-help section and my hand literally floated up and grabbed the book. And it said, Frogs and the Princes, Neuro Linguistic Programming Live, John Grinder, Richard Bandler. And I don't know if you've ever had the experience of just knowing within three minutes that you were going to grab onto something and never let go. I had the visualization of being in a hurricane, being blown off my feet and wrapping my arms around a palm tree and saying, no, I'm not letting go until I mastered you. And when I began to master language and my self-talk, I came out of my shell and my shyness and my shame. Shell shell of shyness and shame. (laughs) Shyness and shame. being uh, alliterative here. And then I learned to communicate in a way that captured and lead the imagination and the emotions. And so I thought, wow, this is really good. I started teaching this to men. And then about six or seven years in, I went, wait a minute, I could teach this to people to learn to make money because all the principles apply. Like getting a date is like making a sale and then you have to ask the right questions and bring, you know, it's, it's the same thing. And my customers would write to me and say, hey, Paul, I don't need your stuff to get a date anymore. I found the love of my life. I would get pictures. I still, to this day, get emails with pictures of kids saying, thank you. I met, I'm with the most wonderful oh. woman. Do you do date, date, date coaching anymore? Do you do that? For no, I've, no. Well, I have a few. If you have $10,000 to throw my way, I'll do it. But I, you know, Gina. I'm not married yet, so I might need it. I'll start saving now. Well, no, you, you're free. <laughs> we'll talk about it. 
um, so my point being that, what was my point? Oh, the first time you hear, how do I talk to a girl? Okay. The hundredth time you hear it. Okay. The thousandth time you hear it, you want to choke someone to death. So that's my story, but I want to circle back to what these patterns are. All right. So the first pattern is what I call can't always never statements. I just can't, I just can't be disciplined with my eating or I, I always sabotage my eating plan or I can never be successful romantically, whatever it okay. is. So real quick, let me pause there. So this is just so I know where we're at. This is what people can start doing right. to change what their, their language right. to start right. shifting. Okay. Right. So when you make a statement, I can't change, I can't control my eating. It's very interesting. That statement, and we're going to talk about the unconscious subconscious mind for a minute. The unconscious subconscious mind has no sense of time. All time is happening right now. This is part of the structure of a trauma. Someone, for someone who's been seriously traumatized, that trauma is taking place now. The past is right now, right here. So the un to the unconscious or subconscious mind, same thing. You use your term, I'll use mine. Tomato, tomato, potato, potato. Let's call the whole thing off. Ba -da -ba -da -ba. I haven't had coffee yet. Um, and I'm still this excited because you, you got me going. So when you make a statement, I can't be successful with my eating or I can't control my eating. Is that a statement, an observation about your present? a statement about your past or a pledge about your future. It's all three. So the unconscious mind says, okay, you'll never be able to do it. So fine, I'm shutting it off. And not only am I shutting it off, I'm making it who you are. Wow. It's not just a matter of a skill you lack. It's now a matter of your identity. So people have no idea that something is like little as one word is really firming up who they are. It's, see, here's a, as a change worker and a healer, I'll tell you, uh, I'll let you in on a secret. It's much easier to change people's beliefs about their skill and their ability and what they're capable of than their sense of identity. Have you ever had a friend who was beautiful and they thought they were ugly and you said, no, no, you look amazing. Oh, what, yeah. did they, what did they say to you? They would probably refute it or. Right. Because their sense of identity is no, I'm not. Hmm. So I'm going to give you all three magic words to destroy these limiting self-statements. And here are the three magic words. And there, this is all covered in my book, Subtle yep. Words Itself. Look yep. at that handsome cover model. Yeah, I, did, I read your book. It's fantastic. And what I actually really liked about it is there are so many ways about just changing your language that could apply to so many different things, whether it's selling or changing your behavior or Correct. so many different things in life just on how our language affects language to our me behavior. gina language to me is truly magic language well i'll tell you another story and i know exactly i'm tracking the conversation so i know exactly where yes we're i say don't don't lose you you're gonna give us three things i won't look well i'm creating anticipation this is deliberate and hypnosis because i'm also a hypnotist stay calm with that this just means I know how to expand people's unconscious minds to include new ideas that they normally wouldn't. So we're freeing people from looking to that little keyhole into looking at that bay window at possibilities 
you never knew that you would consider or even know that you really desire. So that's three loops I've opened. My teacher, Richard Bandler, taught me how to do that. That's four loops we've opened. Let me return to the loop. The magic words are up until now. Up until now, I couldn't control my eating. Up until now, it was the case that I was an emotional eater. Up until now, I couldn't find a good relationship. This is really important. When you say the words up until now, you're acknowledging the unconscious mind. If you say, yes, I'm a master of my eating, your unconscious mind has 10,000 examples of, of your not being that. When you don't acknowledge your unconscious mind, the unconscious mind is gonna flip you the finger. <laughs> Here's, here is a rule of the mind. So the first rule of the mind is the mind works on repetition, familiarity, and momentum. The second rule is in any battle between the conscious and the unconscious mind, the unconscious mind is going to win. Hmm. It simply has more power. When you say up until now, Excuse me. You're gaining rapport with the unconscious mind. You're saying, yes, I acknowledge you. In any kind of dispute resolution, the first step is to get rapport and to acknowledge the other side. True? Mm -hmm. If you ever in a, if, and I can say this to the guys, if you've ever been in a relationship with a lady and she's yelling at you, the worst thing you do is say, calm down. Just because you're not listening. You're not getting the emotional frequency. You're not on the emotional wave. Being coach 101. That's, huh? that's step one. Don't ever say calm down. Don't ever say calm down. You can get calmer yourself, but don't, don't say calm down. So you acknowledge the unconscious mind. That's the first thing. The second thing when you say up until now is you bind the problem in time. Limiting self-statements that are unbound in time, that could be about the past, could be about the present, could be about the future, will glue it back to the sense of who you are. But when you say up until now, what you're really saying is it's no longer true. It used to be true, it no longer is. You're implying it without saying it. You're, you're suggesting to the unconscious mind, okay, got it, it's no longer true. That I think, and I can't prove this, but scientifically I believe what that does is it opens up the neuro pathways the neural net, so to speak, for new behaviors, new ways of thinking, new feelings, uh, new directions for how you want to move. That's what I believe. So up until now, it was the case that I didn't, or I, I didn't control my eating. That's the first part of the phrase, but that's incomplete. Now we want to give the, the momentum. Remember I said momentum? Yes. And we're gonna introduce what I call ownership language. And let me give another metaphor. You drive a car, you valet parked your car, have you not? I have. Do they give you a want check? A claim check. That's right. right? What's the difference in wanting something and claiming it? Claiming it, I feel like I've already got it, it is right. mine. Claiming is ownership. So up until now it was the case, I didn't control my emotions around eating. And now I claim, and now I claim my ability to learn how to direct and shift my emotions around my eating. You know, I used what, what you're saying right now. I used that strategy, what you said to me the last time we had a conversation. I woke up in, in the morning and I was like thinking in my head, 
oh, I have to go to the gym. And then I, you popped into my head at 6 a.m. You popped into my head and I said, up until now, I didn't want to go to the gym, but now I joyously choose to go to my gym. I said that. I, <laughs> so I want you to unpack what a powerful statement that is because yeah. I kid you not, it put a pep in my step. I was like, I choose, I joyously choose to go to my gym. And it, it was so empowering and I loved it. Well, thank you. Well, thank you. And I think the more you open your mind and heart to what it is I communicate, the more you'll find yourself desiring to learn more. And the more you find yourself desiring to learn more, the more you open to what it is that you can receive. And I'm, I appreciate that your thinking is moving in a magnificent new direction with me. I appreciate that. Thank you. So um, there is a, the key word is joyously. Now I joyously choose to to joyously go to to my gym. Joyously is is what we call an adverb presupposition. Uh, let me unpack that for you. If yeah. I say um, how joyously are you going to find yourself wanting to have me on a, as a guest again on your program. It's no longer a matter of do you want to have me on the program. It's a matter of how joyously is it going to happen. Joyously is an adverb. Adverbs are like the secret sauce of communicating with the unconscious mind. Uh, and they just, they're a lubricant. They take any suggestion you give yourself and they have it slide right in without any resistance. So if you really want to magnify the power of your self-suggestions, put in, um, put in adverbs. So up until now, it was the case that I was an emotional eater. And now I claim my skills at my learning to joyously regulate my healthy eating now. Now notice what we're not doing, Gina. We're not saying, and now I am in control of my eating. And now, because again, you have that conflict. Remember, the you're going to create an internal conflict. Okay. I am a healthy eater conflicts with all those examples of the unconscious mind saying, no, you're not. Hmm. You don't want to make it about identity. I know everyone says you should. Right. I say make it about skills. And now I claim my powerful learning of my skills to joyously shape my eating habits. Hmm. You understand? Yeah, right. So you're not trying to convince yourself that you are a certain person. You're just acknowledging that you can now work on new skills. That's right. If you're a certain person, then it creates, the, fine. It doesn't tell the unconscious what acts or activities to do. It says, okay, you're that. Bye. I don't need to help you any further. I know this is completely contrary to everyone else's teaching. I am, I am, I am, I am. There will reach a point that once you've got the skills and the direction down, then maybe you can make I am statements. But until then, I would avoid doing it. In all my years of working with people, I try to stand, stay away with I am statements. And if you are going to do affirmations like that, don't say I'm I am. Say you are. You are a powerful person in charge of your eating. Because then the unconscious can take a step back and go, okay, you are, instead of I am. Mm. These are little semantic little, little clues in. So let's take a breath. I know I'm just going a million miles what? an hour. 
so much good stuff already and we're yeah we're just we're just talking about the language so just to summarize the language aspect of of how we communicate to ourselves and what a difference that makes using language like up until now that's a great thing to use um and then doing uh ownership like my you're claiming it my gym right. or uh, what you want and then also adding in an adverb like joyous right. things like right. that and focusing right. on the skill and the ownership language is really important what's the difference saying i claim these skills and saying i claim my skills and what's the difference saying i claim my skills and i joyously claim my skills exactly. and i joyously claim my powerful skills these the language is magic it's so important if i can use my language with this face to get a date then language <laughs> is magic you're, you're a magician with with this language you're a magician with selling with dating with behavior change with weight I, loss you're a magician of all things you know who my hero used to be my hero who? used to be voltaire the french philosopher and comic playwright he said give me 10 minutes to talk away my ugly face and i will bed the queen of france <laughs> Darling. Okay, so the I mean the keys to getting out of your own way is language and then you mentioned something about alignment with right. aligning the conscious and the subconscious mind. I'm not sure if you fully yeah. explain that. Let me, uh, let me unpack that. Okay. I think what we need to do is take the changes that we are claiming for ourselves to make and we have to say does it align with our values? A change that doesn't align with our values is going to create a problem. Either it's going to stuff our values down and then we're going to get spiritually ill, or the values are going to take control and make sure that the change doesn't happen. Let me unpack that. I go to these, I'm just going to say it, I go to these conferences and they babble on about the law of attraction. And the people show you videos. Here's my home in Hawaii. Here's my home in Fiji. Here's my home here. Here's my five Rolls Royces. I'm thinking, how come no one into the law of attraction is into attracting clean water for 1.3 billion children who don't have clean drinking water? Right? How Great come? And, and you just have to visualize and want it and, and the law. Yeah, I guess all those children starving in Africa just don't want the food enough, right? I don't care. My mother taught me to call bullshit. That was her whole thing, you know? Speak up. And, and so, I don't know what, what got me on that tangent. Uh, oh, so, of attraction. You have to align it. so a lot of people want to make millions of dollars, but maybe they want it to show off for status and they have no alignment towards helping other people. Mm -hmm. They have no alignment towards being significant through service. Well, you know, the high, there are different hierarchies of human need. One is to be significant, one is significance, one is approval, one is appreciate one is appreciation all of them but if you want to be significant through status so your neighbors are going to admire you you're going to do something and that's i'm not saying any of these are necessarily wrong you're going to do something different than someone who yeah wants to nicely but also is looking to make a contribution with the wealth that they have so it's the same with your body are you feeding yourself? Are you doing all this stuff? Are you working out to feed an incipient narcissism? Because I do believe our current society is orbiting around the dark star of narcissism and attention deficit. And 
So we really have to be careful to align, first to know what our values are. And this is why meditation is so important, so we can learn and look deep into the heart and see what is it that really is moving us. So aligning our values with our vision and then with the behaviors and skills and, and the coaching that we need to get there. Let me, um, I'll put it another way. When I work with, <laughs> I like to ask the miracle question. If you woke up tomorrow and all of your bad habits, negative ways of thinking were gone, vanished, disappeared, how would you know? And why would it make a difference? And this creates a trance. People just go way deep in the trance. Just even try to imagine that all, all the old, I can see you trying starting to go a little bit. Yeah, I'm trying to, I did get a little trance like for a minute. You started to teleport me to a different like fantasy world of like, all right, what would my dream world be like of having zero bad habits? <laughs> yeah. And why would it be important to you? And why would it be important to the people? immediately around you and why would it be important to the people at large the world at so is large? that what you asking. mean by alignment is that what you want to be gone is aligned with why it's important i mean once you've gotten rid of what doesn't need to be there what is going to be there in terms of your behavior your skill sets what that's going to bring to you and then why is it important to you why is it important to the people who immediately love you why is it important to the world in general so how do people go like approach this alignment? Like it makes sense, but then practically I'm like, okay, now I'm starting my journey towards releasing bad habits, doing something different. What is that? How, how does that look? I think you need, well, I think a lot of it is, this is going to come back to an old technique. A couple of things. Journaling is really important. Get it out on paper. Love it. I make you everybody meditate. journal a lot. Everyone in our sessions, they journal a lot. So well, they could. Um, so journal, meditate so you can see your patterns arising. I do a lot of self-hypnosis and guided visualization. I've learned to do that, and that's a separate topic. I don't want to teach self-hypnosis here because people could be listening or watching in their car and just, you know, I don't wow, want to. Wow, is that powerful? Uh, I'm, I'm really powerful at what I do. Ooh, <laughs> I want to experience that one day. Okay. All right. We'll do some guided visualization, and, and uh, I'll show you some cool stuff. Yeah, well, one of the things I know about you is you're, I, I hate the word subject. It gives a completely wrong notion of the power dynamic of someone who's doing the guiding and someone who's being guided. It's more like an explorer that uh, I'm simply the person who's walking the path and saying, come up the path. If you don't like this pathway, we'll pick another one. We only pick the pathways that feel good to you. And that it's more about, and this is what I, I want to get back to circle around to this point to selling. To me, selling is not about talking people into things or getting your ideas into their head. It's about expanding their conscious to, consciousness to encompass your ideas. Mm. I learned this through biology. I, this idea came to me through reading. I was watching a video maybe nine months ago. This goes down to the basic birds and the bees. This whole idea that the sperm penetrates the egg is not true. I'm not being funny. The egg actually opens up and envelops the sperm that it picks. Interesting. Did it's you know that? No. That's absolutely true. So I thought, wait a minute. This is fantastic. This is, this is a great metaphor. I think in metaphors, this is a great metaphor 
for persuasion and selling. You're expanding consciousness. Huh. It's the same thing with anything that you're doing. Uh, if you really want to make a shift in people, you have to know how to expand their consciousness to include new ideas. Gina, this is what you do as a coach and a guide. You're taking people's narrow range of what they believe is possible. They're, you're expanding their consciousness to include possibilities um, that they didn't know they could have for themselves, they didn't know they deserved for themselves, that they didn't know they could execute towards. So that's what we do really with journaling and meditation is opening up the possibility for these new things to come in. That's how we get the, the alignment. Correct. And having a coach and a mentor. I really, I, and this is not self-serving or, or, or attempting to butter your bread because you don't eat bread. And I don't think you eat butter <laughs> unless it's a cheat meal. Um, so my, my point being that, what was my point? I lost my consciousness for a second. Uh, oh, expanding consciousness. Yes. So, and we also need mentorship. We really do. And one of the missing elements for people is accountability and a mentor who's walked the path mm. and has gotten to where you want to go. And so this is why I say good on you that you're providing mentorship for people because we need it. We all fall short. I fall short. I have mentors. I have business mentors. I have my workout. Yep. Yep. You've been getting stronger and you rave about your, uh, your fitness coach, which is but awesome. the sad thing is she's leaving town. She's oh leaving. no. I'm gonna lose her. Oh, you better get another one, right? Oh, right no. stack up to get on oh, your no. team. I, know, I set up my team for everything. Business coaches, uh uh fitness accountability, somebody who pushes me with that, and even my own, you know, meditation and mindfulness practice. I have a mentor there and I I totally firmly believe that to keep elevating you it takes we all need our own village to keep elevating us uh, or a tribe tribe yeah uh, is a tribe you know? yeah. So, yeah wow i'm just throwing so much a lot of people tell me that when they listen to me or spend time to me they feel like their head is stuffed like a thanksgiving turkey but i don't know i don't know how to give just little breadcrumbs i don't know how to yeah. do it and I'm joy in teaching and, and, and Honestly, this is the most fun I can have with my clothes on. <laughs> I can tell you're very enthusiastic. So <laughs> Very enthusiastic. You're, every time I talk to you, you're so enthusiastic about just unloading your expertise and, and new strategies and things I didn't think about before. And even with your book, it's like I can hear your voice and your enthusiasm just unloading all this information. So I'm, I'm planning to go back and kind of break it down again and write down some notes and um, go back because this, this is even this one conversation has been a lot. By the way, this book is available in Kindle edition on Amazon. Oh, is it really? Yeah, cool. there's the title. Mm -hmm. Subtle, Subtle words, words that sell, sell. Mm -hmm. which I really loved because as I was, even though it's from the perspective of like selling and sales, um, as I was reading it, I was really thinking about what you were saying about changing your language just to be change my ability to go to the gym and do it in an enjoyable way and change my eating habits um, just by using these things like your language, how you're talking to yourself. And like you said, getting in, in alignment, all of these things are so powerful. Can I make a confession to you? Please do. There's a confession. 
Do you remember in grade school when you diagram sentences? Here's the subject, here's the object, here's the noun, here's the verb. Do yeah. I loved it. You loved I it. I loved it. I stayed after the teacher had to kick me out of the class when the recess bell rang because I wanted to sit there and diagram sentences. I ran around the house with diagramming sentences, chasing my older brother, Alan. Uh, and he, that, with that and Ripley's Believe It or Not, I would read from a book. Alan, did you know a man sat on a chicken <laughs> egg for five days? So this day, I used to love that too, but it's funny. You know, we all have these things that we love. Your love is with language and words and the mind and mine is food. Like I have this fascination with food and how oh, it works in my I body. Love and I love food. I'm just highly restricted on what I can, you know, I've chosen. Someone yeah. said to me the other night, she's a baker. We were at this meeting and she had fresh baked pastries and she said, you should try one. I said, no, I'm not allowed. And I said, wait a minute. I said, I'm choosing to honor my body and my health by making a choice about what I put into it and what yeah. I leave out. So I had to catch myself and it's a much better thing rather than denying yourself something if you say, I choose to honor my body. Very famous hypnotist by the name of Herbert Siegel. And Siegel had a really good success rate with getting people to stop smoking. I have not, I only have one technique for stopping smoking, it's a bizarre one. I probably should tell it to you in private, but um, <laughs> you should. Well, yeah, I'll let you be the judge. But I, okay. I know a lot of listeners actually who are trying to quit smoking. Well, Spiegel's way is to put people in trance and to say, "You, you need your lungs to live. You respect your lungs." Mm. It wasn't about not smoking; it's about respecting the lungs. Oh. You need your lungs to live. You respect your lungs. Someone who respects your lungs now. I'll, what the what the hell? I'll go for the story. I was sitting there one day and flirting with a wait. Can you believe I was flirting? No, I was flirting never. And I told her I was a hypnotist. She said, "Can I help you stop smoking?" She said, "Can you help me stop smoking?" I said, "Well, the reason you smoke so much is you don't enjoy it." She said, what are you talking about? I said, "Well, if you have a habit or addiction, you're compelled to do it because you're not getting enough pleasure out of it." I said, "Let me ask you a question. Have you ever had a really, really earth shaking?" full body orgasm and she said yes i said i want you to imagine you're smoking a cigarette what if each puff brought you the same amount of pleasure how many puffs could you take and she literally she imagined a cigarette she was a great subject and she went oh 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 she took like three puffs and then i saw her like six weeks later i said so she's smoking like two packs a day i said how many cigarettes are you up to? And she burst out the laughing. She said about one third of a cigarette a day. <laughs> and she got red in the face. So what? my book, yeah. Does so that really book, work? Yeah, it worked. So um, my way of getting rid of the habit, I reverse, I stand everything on its head. My mother. Hey, you don't do anything conventional. Um, well, pretty much I, I, my mother taught me to think outside the box. My mother said, Paul, if the masses are going one way, they're stupid. You go the other way. And I've tried to temper that because that, that came across and still comes across sometimes as arrogance. And arrogance is a really bad form of poison. I'm still working on that, to tell you the mm -hmm. truth. Uh, so this method, so now, now put this into something. So is this how people should approach quitting to smoking? It was just not a one-off. It was a one-off method that I did. They would have to be uh, 
in my presence imagine the orgasms, which is probably not the smartest thing in the world. It's only for the most adventurous people. But anyway, I got off track and introduced something inappropriate, but this is how my mind works, just all over the place. So, okay. Gina? Yeah. You know how you said I'm crazy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's a good crazy. It's a good it's, crazy. It's good crazy when, it, when it's useful things. So I'm still just trying to figure out what was the takeaway. Is the takeaway that, that people should try that to, to get the pleasure out of things they're addicted Here's the to? takeaway. The takeaway is when people have a habit, it's because they don't enjoy what they're indulging in enough. Otherwise, they wouldn't want it so much. They're not getting enough. If you got, if you were mindful, let's go back to mindful eating. If you were truly mindful eating that ice cream and could feel the taste on your tongue and the texture and the coolness and the, each individual little bit of sweetness on your taste buds, you couldn't take more than a spoonful. Yeah, that's actually a really great point because most people don't have an issue with food when they're really present and tasting it and really enjoying it. They say that when they're out of control, they can't even taste it. They're checked out. Their mind is somewhere else. They're distracted. So that's a really good point. All right. You're kind of selling me on that idea. Yeah, see, subtle selling. And, and I think this is another huge problem with people in general. And this ties back into subtle words that sell. People are checked out. When you go to sell anything, the biggest problem is no longer getting them to trust you. I think the biggest problem is people are checked out. Right now, I'm about to work with an attorney on creating a program for trial attorneys on winning with judges and juries and that kind of thing. I said, look, you don't need to make the jury distrust the opposing counsel. You just have to set a little sub-hypnotic cue that they check out anytime opposing counsel talks. And juries check out anyway because they're bored and confused. So just set a little anchor. It's a long story so that when the other side is talking, the jury's minds are all over the place so they don't even pay attention. <laughs> That's funny. That's evil, but... Yeah. <laughs> all right. So getting out of your own way to is there anything that that you wanted to include with that that we didn't touch on yeah i, I could if, if you'd give me a few more minutes and go sure. over a few minutes i would like to continue to share yeah so jump into what what's next yeah uh, i'll give you another one and this is um this is what i call uh why questions why did i screw it up why do i always screw it up on a date why do i always screw up why can't I close the big money clients? By the way, there are no big money clients. There are only better opportunities to serve. Just so you know that. How do you like that reframe? Yeah, it's a good great. one. So why do I always screw up? Why do I sabotage my eating? Why questions are a form of self-torture thinly disguised as a search for wisdom. If you ask a why question, why do I always screw it up? Uh, with my partners is your mind on the past the present or the future the past that's right and it's looking at the bad patterns of behavior the patterns of behavior that are ineffective and it's dwelling on them so here comes the third universal law of the mind the mind can't tell the difference between what you dwell on and what you're programming it back in to do hmm. so it's not that you're a self-sabotager or that you have this mysterious condition called low self-esteem. I don't even believe there is such a thing called self-esteem. 
meaning it's not a thing like fluid in your body, your four quarts low, and I need to screw a hole in the top of your head and pour in a jug. Mm -hmm. So you're looking at the problem over and over and over by asking that question. You're just programming it back in. Okay. And so naturally the brain's going to do what you rehearse it to do. So when you're in that same situation, you're just going to repeat the pattern. Not because you're a bad person. It's just repetition, familiarity. And what's the third one? Ma mo Momentum. Bingo, bingo. <laughs> Momentum. So what do we do then when we, when we screw up instead of going back and dwelling and why and, and become obsessing over it, what do we do? Okay. First and foremost, instead, we want to valence or direct ourselves towards what we did right. We live in a society, at least back then when you get papers, we worked with not computers, but actually we would turn in papers and the teacher would make red checks for everything that was wrong. Yeah. I don't know if you remember those. Oh, you do remember those. Oh, I remember those. Okay. <laughs> Mine was with words and grammar. <laughs> red, red, red all over it. Well, if they would have done that in PE, I would have been still have the red dye all over me. I was <laughs> Mr. Klutz. <laughs> so, in any case, instead, first and foremost, ask what did I do effectively? What did I do correctly? What did I do powerfully? What did I do right? We want to Amazing. change our orientation towards what worked. I love it. Here's another one. This is a really great one. If I already had mastery of this, how would I have, have responded differently? If I already had mastery of this, how would I have responded differently? That's a really good question because it requires you to dive deep now into the unconscious and and pull up all the resourcefulness that's hidden uh, underneath the below the conscious mind interesting see there's there's all the thoughts that from uh, are from above but then there's so many thoughts that are from below me that come from deep underneath the surface of consciousness that are super powerful and and super important so um yeah so we want to ask that question how would I have done things differently if I already had mastery of this? Then you want to ask questions like, um, is there anyone who already has mastery of this who I can approach as a mentor or a guide? Mm -hmm. These are the kind of questions that get you off of the problem and get you onto the solution. Mm -hmm. Understand? And the final pattern, we don't have time to go all of them, and this is not unique or original with me, but I really like it, so I stole it, uh, is masturbating. Uh, masturbating is a really big one. I know you're tell a masturbating. Tell me about masturbating. What is that? Well, I caught you masturbating a few times when we, uh, when we, were, when, when we had that breakfast. I thought, Gina's masturbating. Don't mention it. What did I say that was my... All right, now di dive into that. I want to hear. Masturbating is when you say, I must go to the gym. I must control my eating. I must... Uh, not be an impatient person. The problem with must is the unconscious mind doesn't understand it. You could say I must go to the gym and be sitting there slamming the Cheetos and guzzling the beer and you're in the condition of must. You're fulfilling the condition of must hmm. rather than actually doing it. 
Is so, that kind of like the same thing as claiming ownership? Like I yeah. have to, or I need to versus exactly. choose to. So instead of saying, I must go to the gym, you say, I claim my joyously going to my gym to exercise my healthy body now. Mm. So masturbating, shooting on yourself. I shouldn't have done that. Uh, I should go to the gym. I should be able to control my eating, et cetera, et cetera. It's the same thing. So masturbating and shooting on yourself. <laughs> I'll remember that one. I love it. As one purifier of consciousness to another, it's been an honor to be present and to share with your audiences. And I really hope that you will take some time, go for a walk and, and honor that, that sense that you truly are a purifier, that you're purifying consciousness and purifying um, people's health and how they eat and how they, what they put into their body. And, the, and those two things going together, you're purifying both spirit and body. And I don't know if you've ever thought of yourself that way, but part of my job as a teacher is to step back, look at someone and give them a metaphor that, that shifts their way of thinking. Well, thank you. You are very talented. I've learned so much from you. There are, there's so much wisdom within this one hour that we've had together. Just so much wisdom. What's my Um, book title? Yeah, your book has been life-changing to me. The Subtle Words That Sell, I love it. Where can people find that or find you more of your work? I know you typically do large mass speaking sessions. Here's what you can do. So here's what you do. You can grab the book on Amazon. Okay. If you want to stay in touch with me, it's very simple. So text the word SUBTLE, S-U-B-T-L-E, to the number 76626. The word subtle to 76626. That will give you my virtual card so you can contact me. You can download a copy of the book for free. Uh, you can get a, And if you want to inquire about hiring me as a speaker, you can find that information there. And the final thing is go to speakerpaulross.com. Okay. You'll see lots of pictures of me wearing beautiful clothing and look super handsome and all that other stuff. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing you in 2020. Gina and I are- Amazing, we finally got something on the calendar to reconnect in 2020. We're both- So I know both of our schedules are crazy and you're doing a lot of amazing things. So thank you so much for carving out this time to share your knowledge. It's, It's been my genuine pleasure. Anytime for you, Gina B. Thank you.